If you could please pray the words, Come Holy Spirit, with me three times. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, creator of the stars of the universe, nothing is impossible for you. Please send forth your Holy Spirit to give us new hope so that we may begin again. We make all these prayers in Jesus' name, who is Lord and Savior forever and ever. Amen. Amen. We're about halfway through the semester. And sometimes it's hard to even remember, like, what did I even do last week? So I just want to review last week's homily briefly so it can launch us into this week's homily. So last week, the readings were talking about the Pharisee who said some awful things. You know, he said, at least I'm not like that tax collector over there, right? You know, and at least I'm not an adulterer or I'm not a, a drunkard. He starts getting prideful and puffed up. But then what that tax collector is doing, he's repenting and he's saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. The tax collector cheated people out of money. But the thing is, he repented. He turned back to the Lord. We focused on how often we are like that Pharisee. We have that inner critic in us. And there's an invitation to pause for 10 to 15 seconds in conversations and just to listen. That was our challenge last week, to take time in conversations and to pause for 10 to 15 seconds to listen because a lot of us, the, the reason why we, we have that negative inner dialogue is because we're broken. And the invitation in that pause was to place our ear on the heart of Jesus, like John the beloved disciple, and remember that every time we stop and we pause and we listen, Jesus' hearts beat, hearts beat with these words. He beats with the words, I love you, I love you, I love you. We talked about how like it just gets old. Sin just gets old, but what never gets old is hearing the words, I love you. And we know when we're beginning, he- when our inner critic is being healed, is when we don't mind pausing and we begin to see everybody else as a gift. And until we see every single person as a gift, even your worst enemy, we're not there yet. I'm not there yet. So this week, we meet a chief tax collector. This is an arch tax collector, the biggest tax collector. And I just wonder if Zacchaeus heard that as, he, as Jesus is passing through Jericho, if, if he heard, Zacchaeus heard that Jesus loves tax collectors, like there's actually hope for me. That is, Jesus loves sinners. So as, as, as Zacchaeus, being the chief tax collector, he's probably deeply hated by people. And he's, it says he's short in stature, which means he also, he, it's a symbol that he's small in faith. Maybe that's where you're at right now. Your faith isn't where you want it to be. But the thing is, there's a spark in the heart of Zacchaeus as he hears about Jesus. Jesus actually lifts something in him. And he wanted to see who Jesus was, you know, he, is, is, is Jesus actually the Messiah? Is he the one who actually, he can actually save me from this hell I'm going through? Is he actually the one who, can, who sets prisoners free, who gives sight to the blind, who actually can raise the dead to life? So as Zacchaeus looked around, there were most likely other trees to climb, right? We know that in, in Jericho, there's a lot of palm trees. But the thing is, they just move. They're not very stable. So Zacchaeus finds a sycamore tree, and it's so important for us to know that a sycamore tree is a sign of rejuvenation. It's a sign of restarting, beginning again. 
And that's so important for us to understand to get a key to the context of this gospel because Zacchaeus is climbing this tree and he's doing it because he wants a new start. How many of you want a new start today? Like we're halfway through the semester and Jesus offers an opportunity, an invitation to begin again or start over again. It's important to know also how big sycamore trees are. They grow between 90 and 140 feet high. And I, I just love how that spark in, that, in the heart of Zacchaeus, when he hears about Jesus, he's willing to climb that high to see who Jesus is. And I also think on a side note, like I think Zacchaeus had him in a really good climber because there's no way he could have climbed that tree without doing it for us. So there's probably things that Zacchaeus climbed high to see that let him down. But there's this beautiful desire growing in the heart of Zacchaeus because he wants to see this Jesus who loves sinners. And Jesus came just for Zacchaeus. Jesus looks up that 90 to 140 feet high in that sycamore tree, and, and he looks up with eyes of mercy. And it's so important to know that that's how Jesus sees us. He doesn't look at you and think, what a sinner, what a this, what a that. But he calls Zacchaeus by name. Not only does he call him by name, but he also he says, I, I want to do more than call you by name. I want to stay in your house today. And I just wonder for how many of us gathered here today, often like Zacchaeus, we're just lost. And would love to be set free from our past and just be found and get a new start. The thing is, Jesus doesn't want you to be lost. He doesn't want to see you from afar from 90 to 100 feet. He actually wants to see you up close and he also wants you to see him up close. So close that he actually wants to come into your home and that home is a symbol of your soul or of your heart. And it's important for us to understand as we hope to heal that inner critic when we say negative things about ourselves. I'm so stupid, I'm so dumb. I'm just a moron. How could, how could I do that again? Or we judge other people. What an idiot, what a drunkard, what an adulterer, whatever it is. Um, God's plans are much bigger than your plans. This is illustrated by a really beautiful story by uh, an, an Anglican uh, author named C.S. Lewis. And he says this, and I want you just to picture this. He says, imagine yourself, your person, as a living house. God comes to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. You know, he's getting the drains right. He's stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. And you knew, you knew those jobs needed to happen. So you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that actually hurts abominably. And it doesn't make any sense to you why he's doing that. What on the earth is God up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one that you thought of. Throwing a new wing here, putting up an extra floor there, running towers, making courtyards. You thought you are being made into a simple little cottage. But he's building a palace. And he intends to come and live in it himself. And it's so important for us to know that God's plans are bigger than ours. We often think so small. But in order to let Jesus build or even rebuild, Zacchaeus need, needed to come down, just as you and I need to come down to start again. And maybe it was a deep shame in the heart of Zacchaeus that made him actually seek Jesus. 
from 100 feet. I'm, I'm cool here, Jesus. I'm, I'm cool way up here. Maybe it was a fear of being noticed as being a Christian. But Jesus calls him by name, just as he calls each of you and I by name if we listen. But he has to, Zacchaeus has to overcome his fear and renounce his shame and come down. And yet down there, down that tree, there are people who hate Zacchaeus and maybe even want to kill him. He, like you and I, has to eventually face his fears and overcome his shame. But the thing is, is where you and I get this wrong, I get this wrong, is we feel like we have to do it alone. As Zacchaeus is climbing down from either like 140 feet or 90 feet, Jesus does the most beautiful thing, is he waits. As Zacchaeus climbs down, step by step, overcoming fear and shame, each step down is a step towards freedom. And that's so important for us to get that right. So, so Zacchaeus boldly comes down. He says he comes down quickly. And Jesus didn't spit in his face when he came down. He didn't tell him how much of a sinner he was. It says the Lord received him with joy. And that's actually what, what the Lord wants to do for us is he wants to receive us with joy. But because we've allowed a lot of our culture or even our past project onto Jesus who Jesus is, here we get to meet the real Jesus. And everyone around him grumbles. And you can imagine what the crowd thought that, you know, what the crowd thought. But, but Jesus' thing is he's not ashamed of, of Zacchaeus and he's not ashamed of you. So what does Zacchaeus do that many of us need to either learn or relearn or even help others learn? What we need to learn or even relearn is that when you're with Jesus, you can stand strong against any crowd. You can stand against, strong against your shame. You can stand strong against your fear. And you can even invite Jesus into your house. This brings up Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. And Jesus says, if anyone opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. It's so important for us to know that Jesus is a gentleman. He won't come in unless you invite him. Will you let him in? You know, earlier we, we imagined God coming to rebuild the house of our soul. And if you were to invite Jesus into your house, like what rooms would you first want to show him because you're excited to show him? Maybe you think in the kitchen or the living room or your bedroom, well, it's a mess. Uh, maybe you'd want to show him your clothes or your phone or your stuff. Maybe you have a, a nice car or your garage. For me right now, if I was at the Newman Center, I'd be like, Jesus, let's just go to the backyard because we just put a basketball hoop up yesterday, right? I just want to shoot hoops with you. This is my safe place. This is my fun space. Um, but that, that's, that's great and it's good. He wants to do those things with you and you should do those things with him. But like, what are those places where you're actually afraid to invite him in or ashamed to invite him into? Like, would you be afraid to invite him into those places or rooms where where you go to hide or even do things that actually you know aren't good for you, but you do it anyways. Like each of us here, even me, we all have a room that has caution tape all over it. There's barbed wire. There's a do not enter sign, flashing lights. Don't go in here. And that room is called the past. You know, there's something from our childhood uh, that we are filled with so much shame 
and so much hurt that we believe that Jesus couldn't love us there. And the interpretive key for us understanding if we invite Jesus in, like who he is, who God is, comes from the book of wisdom, our first reading today. Solomon, who writes the book of wisdom, he says, Lord, you overlook people's sins so that they may repent. Like the Lord knows you're a sinner. He knows you're going to make mistakes, but he's not concerned with that primarily. He wants you to repent and turn back to him, to tell him you're sorry. So for, for, it says, for you love all things that are and loathe nothing you have made. Like the Lord made you and he doesn't loathe you. He doesn't despise you. Solomon goes on to say, for what, what you hated, you would not have fashioned. So I mean, God doesn't hate anyone. He goes on further to say, and how could a thing remain unless you willed it or be preserved had it not been called forth by you? So every breath you take is also Jesus saying, I love you. And so often we take that for granted. Like every breath you take is God loving you into existence. Same thing is also every room you invite Jesus into, he wants to say to you over and over again, I love you. I love you. I love you. And with that merciful gaze that he gave Zacchaeus, he wants to look at you in those places of shame and fear and say to you these words. I'm not ashamed of you. I'm not ashamed of you. I'm not ashamed of you. But then there's, that, again, that room where there's that barbed wire, that caution tape, do not enter, light saying, don't go here. It's dark there. And it's almost even too unbearable to think about and even picture. The thing is, Jesus came to set captives free. And he wants you to invite him in so he can say the truth to you. Because some of us have been through some deep trauma, some deep hurt and pain. And what he wants to say to us there, maybe it's the first time you came up across pornography, or maybe it's the first time you know, you got drunk, or maybe it's the first time you experienced abuse. And most likely what he wants to say to you is, I wish this never happened to you. I wish this never happened to you. I wish this never happened to you. Because then your life from there on out becomes a living hell. He didn't come to bring hell on earth. He, became, he came to bring heaven to earth. And this is what Jesus was doing with Zacchaeus. And it was so good that it actually made Zacchaeus repent. And this is what Jesus invites us to do if we invite him into our souls. It's also what he does when, when you and I go to confession. And he fills every wound, every dark room with his love and his light. And then the, the invitation is to invite others to do the same. You know, it's, 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 it's the love of Jesus that changes us. Otherwise, like what we're doing here is totally ridiculous. But the thing is, as he waited for Zacchaeus to come down, he'll wait for you all day long because he loves you. You know, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says, love is patient, love is kind. And he waits, but if you, if you listen, he's calling you by name each day to come down quickly and see him up close. Don't just see him from afar. Don't just hear what other people say about him, but like go with that desire in your heart. Say, I want to see who Jesus really is. And he waits for us to come down quickly, especially you can go to any church, you can come to the Newman Center, and he's, he's not waiting for you up, up here. He's waiting for you 
in the Blessed Sacrament. You can go be with Jesus anytime you want to at the Newman Center in, the, in his person. He waits for you to come down quickly and he still waits for you to come to confession. He waits for you to come down quickly, especially in his word, right? His word is with us. We can read his word whenever we want to. And he's always waiting for you to be like Zacchaeus, just desiring to start again and not quit. That's a devil's win. The devil doesn't want you to quit. Or the devil wants you to quit. Jesus doesn't want you to quit. So this week's challenge is to go to confession. Do an examination of conscience and bring everything to the light. And see what Jesus does there. My favorite question as a priest is, is, uh, hey, Father, can I go to confession? The answer is always absolutely, unless I have like a meeting with a bishop or something. Um, I'll always hear your confession. And, and it's so important for us to think about not ourselves in confession, but think of Jesus like the joy of him saying to you after you go to confession, saying to you these same words he said to Zacchaeus at the end of our gospel, today salvation has come to this house. Today salvation has come to you. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. And just the last thing is, it's so important for us to know it's not a matter of who you are, but it's a matter of whose you are. Jesus, the same person who calls Zacchaeus, calls us by name if we listen to come down. But the thing is, we have a God who's so amazing that he will never ask us to do anything he's not willing to do himself. Remember that God came down to become a person in a complete pigsty in Nazareth, right? In Bethlehem. He was born into a mess. And sometimes I was like, it's like, Lord, that's my life right now. It's a complete mess. But he was born into one to redeem it. Say, nothing is unredeemable with me. But also the beautiful thing is, he's going to come down on this altar in just a moment in the Holy Eucharist, the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and he's been waiting for a lot of us. It's so important, like when you come to receive Holy Communion today, or you come to be blessed if you're not Catholic or if you're, you're not in a state of grace, just to pause and look at him up close because he's going to be like right here tonight with you, with some of you. For others of you, he's going to come in the house, right? But will you let him come in deeper and deeper or are you just planning on living your, your week as if you never went to Mass today? It's so important to know that he gazes upon you with joy because he wants to find you. He wants to heal that inner critic, that one that makes us think things so, that are so awful towards ourselves or so awful towards others. And he wants to heal you so you can be like him to others. That's the transition of the gospel. Once you receive his healing, then you go out and help heal others. You call them down from those tall places and you bring them close to faith, be face to face with Jesus. Whatever shame or whatever fear might be in your heart, again, recall the place that on the altar and to say, Jesus, you take care of it. Because when I do it, I live in fear, I live in shame, and I fall into this sin, and I fall into that sin, and it's not going so hot. Remember, this is God we're talking about. Like, your problems are nothing for him. The good thing is, you don't have to handle them anymore. And, and when you let him redeem you, you'll be like Zacchaeus, that joy comes out, and you just want to repent. Because his way is better. So it's an invitation today to begin again, to begin anew. So we pause, we pray, and we start over. Amen.